All right, thank you for that. Music has been good today. Uh, the children's group was fantastic, by the way. That was the uh, that was the Filipino that was the Filipino children's group. Okay, it was all the kids and the grandkids. Now you're looking like where are all the white kids in the Filipino group? I teach a Filipino class, so my kids and grandkids were in there. And so, uh, hey, that's what are you going to do? But they did a great job, and all the music. Choir was fantastic. Uh, the gentlemen here, they sing like men. I kind of like that. I don't, you know, I don't like men that sing with a little whispery voice. So, I, I just can't do it. I can't pull it off. But uh, those guys definitely don't need to check their man card in, do they? <coughs> we're going to be looking at Mark chapter number 6, and it's a very familiar story to, uh, 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 for us. You know, difficult uh, times and tough situations, as I mentioned often, are just a part of life, right? And it's, <coughs> that is whether or not you are a Christian or not. Yes, Problems come to everybody, yep. and you're going to have to deal with them. Um, now, as we look at situations like that from a spiritual perspective, we see that there's even a little bit more behind them. Um, Book of James tells us that God uses situations like that to mature us in our, in our faith, to help us to learn patience, to help us uh, to grow uh, in our faith. God uses it to test us. And what I mean by that is, <coughs> um, it is it is during difficult times that we really find out where our Christianity is at, right? I mean, as you sit in a classroom and you learn material and the teacher teaches you, you really don't know what you learn until the teacher drops a test on you. And then it's like, do you really know this stuff? And uh, problems and trials do that. The fact of the matter is they toughen us up. And we just learn, we, we need to be toughened up in a spiritual sense, not in an arrogant or, 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 or different, uh, uh, a different sense. I think right now of our, our missionaries in the Philippines, the Cambutalas, and if you read their prayer letters, over the course of the last year, his, his wife has been dealing with cancer. And she just finished her, um, uh, <coughs> her main <coughs> treatments, and uh, now they'll just be giving her the pills and so forth. But as I read his letter, he talked about how, how she said that when I go to the hospital and get my treatments, I'm going to be a light and a blessing to the people that are there. His husband, and her husband was mentioning when she goes there, the nurses will come, and they like to just hang out with her because of her spirit. And, um, and I wouldn't want anything to go, I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through that. But it's, it's nice to see a lady uh, with a Christian spirit to say, although I'm going through this tough time, I want people to see that there is something different in me. It could be that she's probably one of the toughest Christians we would ever meet and one of the most mature Christians. But I've also known people who have lost loved ones or they go through a tough <coughs> time and because they don't handle it right, actually that situation doesn't help them. It can actually hurt them. Yep. And again, I'm not here saying I, I, like, I want everybody to go through hard times. That's just not what I would want for you. But if you have to go through those tough times, uh, you would want to let God use those times to work in your life. It would be a shame to go through a difficult time like that and not learn anything. To come out on the other side and not have, 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 uh, not have it in some way touch you and grow you in your life. And so um, you, we, we want to see how to handle that, how to handle that. Now as we look <coughs> at our text in Mark here, we see that they had just, uh, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. 
<clears throat> now we know because that's just the men that there were probably ladies there. There were probably <coughs> children there. So he probably fed a lot more than that. And so that was a tremendous, tremendous experience. And that was a tremendous miracle. One of the ways Jesus taught his disciples and worked with them, and Jesus' whole purpose in having them with him was that when he left this earth, that these would be his guys to go out and get the early church started and to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as they saw these things on a regular basis, uh, you think it would strengthen their faith. You think it would help them uh, to be deeper in their beliefs uh, than they were before. But they had this incredible experience. And then Jesus says, I'm going to send the crowd away. I want you to get into the ship and I want you to go to the other side and I will meet up with you later. What happens is there's a storm. <coughs> Here are these guys and they're struggling. And by the way, these are, these are seasoned fishermen. These are, many of them were guys, they were on the sea for a living. You know, it's, look, if you're ever on a ship, in the, if you're ever on a ship and you're going through a tough time, the time to get nervous is when the captain and people that have been on the ship a long time get nervous. As long as they're okay, you're okay. But if they're nervous, it's time to run around and scream and shout, all right? Uh, but, but, and so these guys are, they're struggling, they see it's a difficult situation, and they're working really hard to make sure that boat does not sink. Well, Jesus knows what's going on, and he walks out onto the water to, the, to him. They are spiritual giants. And when they see Jesus coming, they're like, it's a ghost. And they finally communicate with him. Jesus comes onto the ship, and he, after he gets onto the ship, he calms the sea and everything is okay. But the point I want us to see this morning is that Jesus had not been with them in the ship. He had purposely stayed back. Now, <coughs> we know <coughs> that <coughs> they should have known that although he may not have been with them physically, they believed he was the Messiah. They believed he was who he said he was. And so they should have known, especially the miracles they were a part of, that he was with them even when he is not with them. We know that because we have never physically been with Jesus Christ, but we know that God is always with us. We know no matter what we're going through that the Lord is present in our lives and wants to be present in our lives. But here's the problem. Sometimes we allow what's going on around us to keep us from realizing who is with us. You see, it's easy to understand that the Lord is with us when everything's going well, right? When you get the new job, when you get the raise, when the marriage is great, when uh, the children are wonderful, when, when you know, the blessings are there and, and God's using you, you read your Bible and, you're, and it's all great, but then a problem comes. And if we're not careful, we allow the problems to divert us away from the fact that we know the Lord's in our life, that we know he's always there, and then we get our eyes off of him. That can be a problem. Because when we do that, things don't get better, things get worse. You see, the blessing we have as believers is when we go through a problem, we know that it has meaning in our life, we know that God can use it for our good, and that he will help us in the midst of our problems. I would hate to have to go through problems by myself. 
And if, so if a person's not a believer, they would naturally not tend to think that God is with them. And I feel for them. They feel like everything that's going on in their life, they're trying to work it out on their own. That can be lonely. That can make the situation and the problem worse. But here's the point. <coughs> Jesus saw them long before he ever headed out to be with them. Look at verse number 48. The very first part of the verse says this. And he saw them toiling and rowing. Now read the rest of the verse, then he heads out. You understand that? Jesus wasn't heading out of the water and said, oh wait, they're struggling. Long before he ever went out, he already saw what was going on. He already saw their struggle. The problem was they didn't know that he saw their struggle. He, they didn't know that he knew what was going on. And Jesus was looking at them all the time. That's where we need to be. You would think these guys who were with him, they saw all these miracles, they would understand that although they're going and although they're having problems, God knows what's going on. But yet they acted as if he wasn't. The point I want to make to us this morning, let us not be like that. Let us not make a tough situation in our life. Let us not make a problem that we're going through worse by being disconnected from Jesus. From not understanding, not, not, not striving each and every day to say, this is tough, this is difficult, but I know the Lord is here and I know the Lord is with me. If not, we may disconnect. But you know why that happens? Because we forget some very foundational things. Let me give you a few things, if I may. First of all, <coughs> we forget what he says. Look at verse number 45. <coughs> it says, in straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. And he sent, while he sent the people away. You know, constrained is more than just saying, hey, you guys should get in the boat to go to the other side. He says, that's more like, get in the boat, and you're going to go to the other side. How many of you understand that? Yeah. It's like children. We, when they're the younger, we don't give them options. Like, hey, eat your dinner. You know, but I just eat your dinner. It's not an option. Okay? So I don't do that to my kid. That's probably why they don't eat. But anyhow, <laughs> eat it. Okay? But, but he said, get in the ship and go to the other side, I am going to send the people away. So here's the whole point. It wasn't their idea to get in the ship. It wasn't their idea to go to the other side. It wasn't their idea to go without Christ. It was Christ's idea. He's the one that told them what to do, and here's the kicker. They were following what he told them to do. So what's the problem? Because we feel like if we're doing what God wants us to do, we should be bulletproof. That bad things don't happen to us. There's a false, there's a false <coughs> type of Christianity, a false type of teaching in our country. I, we call it the wealth, and, the wealth and health gospel. Where these guys get up and say, if you're a Christian, God wants you to be rich. 
And by the way, why they're telling you that God wants you to be rich, they're telling you to send your faith seed money to them. And God will bless that. I always wanted to say, I'll tell you what, if you want to be rich, why don't you send your faith seed to me? And that God never wants you to be sick as they read their notes through their glasses. God wants you to be perfectly healthy, and then they put their glasses on. That's, that's a false doctrine. And by the way, people that believe that get set up for a fall. Because they believe that they should never have problems, they should always be wealthy, and they should never be sick. You know what? The disciples didn't get the memo. They went through all kinds of things. You know why? Because that's what we call heresy. Many years ago, we had a man who, he would come to my Sunday school class, and, and, and he kind of believed this doctrine. And I, and I met him, he was a nice guy, and I'd visit him, and something happened, he lost his job. And I went to visit him one Saturday, and he said, I'm not worried about it, because I, I've planted my seed, God's going to take care of me. I'm like, well, you might want to fill out some applications and kind of work on that end. By the way, he ended up homeless. I, I went out, I went and found him, gave him some money to try to help him out. And you know what he told me? He goes, my faith is shaken. But you know why? Because someone had fed him a false belief. Yep. That God's just going to do all these things and you're never going to have problems. That's not how life works. Right. And by the way, we got to do away with this thought that when bad things happen, it's because we're being disobedient. Now, I understand sometimes we're, we're disobedient to God as his children. He tries to bring some things in our life to, to get us back in line. I get that. But we have this false belief also, this mistaken belief that, that if, you, if there's a problem that comes in your life, it is because you're disobedient to God. That's not the case. So was Paul disobedient to God and all the problems he had? By the way, that doesn't help anybody. Remember... Um, I remember that uh, many years ago, my, my sister, we had a, we had a nephew, uh, Ian. When he was one year old, my sister, when he was one year old, my sister's son, he got out of his house in Apple Valley, and he ran out in the street, and he was struck by a car, and he was killed, tragically. I remember going to the, I did the funeral for my sister and, and, and my brother-in-law there, and, 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 I was t and, and she told me that his relatives came to them and said, the reason the child died is because you're sinning. Can I just tell you something? That's not helpful at all. But some people believe that. But here's the problem. We start to believe stuff like that. We start to believe, if I'm going through this trial, I must be doing something wrong. And these guys were not doing anything wrong. They were following what God told them to do. Now, I will say this. I don't want to be misleading here because sometimes we do cause negative consequences in our life because of we're disobeying God. And I'm not even talking about Ill illnesses, right? I mean, look, if you're, if you're speeding this afternoon and you get a ticket, that's not God's fault. Well, God, I can't afford the ticket. Here, I got a, I got a radical idea for you. Do the speed limit. Or speed when the cops aren't around. You know. Well, pastor, I'll just be nice to the police officer. I got a ticket several years ago. I turned on a red. And I was as nice as I could be to this police. Yes, sir. Do you know what you did wrong? Yes, sir. I did wrong. What'd you do? I turned when it was red. I'm sorry. I didn't see the cars coming. And I started to turn. And then I saw the light. Man, my fault. No, that's okay. Can I see your driver's license? You know, after he got done giving me the ticket, he said, you know what? 
I appreciate the fact you've been really nice. And I wanted to say, why'd you give me a ticket? <laughs> I was trying to smooth them, you know? But I wasn't mad at them. Nope. I deserved that ticket. Well, that was hard to say. It just came out. Okay? But sometimes we do bring, look, and I will say this, don't bring things into your life. Don't bring bad consequences because you're being disobedient to God. But the fact of the matter is, you might go through a trial, even though you're obeying God. And when that happens, <coughs> we can start focusing on the storm and not the command. Don't let the storm keep you from following the command. Don't let the storm deviate you from your direction. Jesus has still told them, go to the other side. And I don't know what their mindset was. I think they were struggling because I've seen it in some of the other Gospels. But at least they were trying to keep the boat going. Don't let problems get you off course in your Christian life. Secondly, <coughs> because we forget that he knows what we're going through. Verse 48, long before he ever stepped on the water headed towards them, he saw them towing and, toiling and rowing. He knew what was going on. You know, someone once said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Like, oh, that's happening? Well, God knows. But, the, but, but he knew exactly what was going on. You say, but pastor, I'm going through this problem, and I just don't see Christ in the problem. Could it be that we're not focusing on him? Could it be, and I'm not, and by the way, I'm not even getting, I've went through some tough times in my life, and many of you have went through tougher times. But could it be that we're so focused on what's going on that we quit focusing on the Lord, the only one who can help us in the things which are going on in our life? He knows it all. I've had, again, <coughs> he knows what we're going through. I've been a pastor for a long time, and I've, I've heard, all, and I know people that have went through all kinds of things. And they'll come in and maybe they're like, you know, this situation happened in my life. And whether it's, you know, the loss of a loved one or they got fired or certain things, health things they're going through or just certain emotional stress or things that are coming their way. And, and you know, we want to help them. And so what do we say sometimes? I know how you feel. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I'll be honest with you. I haven't went through those things. I don't know how they feel. I can't imagine how they would feel. Definitely. I can have empathy and, 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 and sympathy for them, and I can imagine what it would be like if they lose a child. I've not lost one. I, I don't know what they're going through, but as I, if I stop and think about it, I could imagine what it would be like, but I don't really know. But I know someone who knows everything. He knows exactly what you're going through. Amen. Never forget <coughs> that he knows what is happening in your life. Sometimes people say, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what it, well, the situation. They don't know the extent of all this stuff. And maybe, I, maybe people don't know that, and maybe they shouldn't know everything. But I know this. I know someone who does know all of it. Let's make sure we focus on him. He also knows what you need. If he knows what you're going through and he saw them toiling and he saw how they were feeling and they thought they were going down, in fact, of the matter is, they may have been on their way down. And he, know, he knew what they needed. He knows us. Remember this. 
God is always working on us. He's trying to use what's going on in our life to make us. You know the illustration in, in Jeremiah where he says he, get, he gets the clay and the potter works on the clay and, and spins it and, you know, makes sure it's, it's uh, pliable and uses his hand to, to form it into what he wants it to do. Do you understand? That's what God's trying to do in our lives. He's trying to form us, and, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. I get it. I want the comfortable route. I'm like you. But sometimes we learn more and we're formed better during difficult times. You come out in that other end. It's like, wow, I didn't realize I could go through that. I didn't realize the peace I felt that I never thought I would feel in that situation. He wants to help us. Next, we forget that <coughs> he waits. Here's a tough one. We forget that he waits. I like what ha what's happening. In verse 48, and, and in one of the other gospels, I believe in this story, it's a little bit even more delineated. And it says, and would have passed by them. Okay. He was walking on the water, and he was just going to act like, I'm just going to keep going right past these guys. Right? He's like, hey. If they don't call out for my help, if they don't connect with me, I'm not stopping. What does that teach us? You know, a lot of times <coughs> why we don't have help? We, we don't even ask for it. We don't ask for it. He wants us, he wants to help, but he wants, but we must ask him See, one of the things he wants to, I know this for a definite fact, one of the things he wants us to learn in difficult, uh, in difficult situations is to be closer to him. You're only going to get closer to him if you're connecting with him. You're only going to get his help if you ask for it. He wants us to want him to be involved in what's going on in our life. But what we do is we want to disconnect. We want to unplug. I've been doing this a long time. People that come and I, the first thing they'll do when they'll start having a problem, they'll stop, they'll stop doing the things they're supposed to do which would bring them that closeness and the help. They quit going to church. And so now instead of hearing encouragement and now instead of being around God's people that will give you encouragement, and by the way, they'll not just give you encouragement, they'll pray for you too. Instead of doing that, you disconnect and you're sitting at home. And the problem seems worse, right? I mean, look at being alone is a really bad thing. There was a guy when we were in Florida, he was an older gentleman, and probably, uh, probably in his late 70s, and his name was Max. <coughs> and we would pick him up and bring him to church, and we'd go throughout the week because he was, he was living by himself. He was an older gentleman. He needed some help. And, but, but he just kind of locked himself in the house. He wouldn't open his windows. He would never go out and step outside, get some fresh air. And we were sitting there, and he's like, man, I'm always depressed. I'm always, and, and we're like, Max, get a little sunlight in your house. Get a little fresh air. Let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. Just get going, doing something. He started doing it, and he goes, man, I'm feeling better. I'm not just locked in the house. Could you imagine what it's like when you're, you need spiritual health and you're just locking yourself away? It'd be worse. Don't stop coming to church. We stop reading our Bibles. I just don't understand God right now, and, and I'm just in such turmoil. I can't open up my Bible. Listen, that's the time you need to open it up. You start missing your prayer time. 
If you've been around here, you know, maybe you're serving and you quit serving. You were helping maybe in the nursery. And by the way, if you work in the nursery, you deserve the medal of medals. You know the best thing about the nursery? I don't work in it, okay? God bless you ladies that do. That's why it's a lot quieter in here. By the way, it'll be nice very soon. The nurseries will be right there. Say, what are you going to do? I'm going to soundproof it, okay? Just kidding. But, but you know, we, we, so what we do is we quit serving. You know, sometimes what helps us, we're helping other people, and it gives us that relief of, of hey, I'm stepping away from my problem for a while. And I'm seeing that I'm not the only one that has problems. You know, and, and so that's very important. He wants us not just to ask him, he wants us to allow him to work. The worst thing you can tell someone, don't do this, it doesn't help, but I, I, I violate this. You know, oh, this bad thing happened. It's like, I told you. <laughs> Didn't I tell you? No, I don't do that. That's more of a family thing, Okay. Right? How, how many think that's helpful? Yeah. When someone's going through a problem, they don't need a history lesson. They need help. Remember when Jack was a little boy, <coughs> you know, he was, he's climbing up at the, the dinner table or a snack. I'm like, quit climbing on the table. You're going to fall. And sure enough, the kid climbed on the table, and I saw him. He fell. And on the way down, he hit the table on the side of his head. And when he hit the floor, he hit the back of his head. And he's sitting there crying. I'm like, come here. He was like two maybe or three. I'm like, come here. I'll give you a hug. All right, what's going on? I'm like, Jack, where does it hurt? Oh, uh, here and here. I'm like, well, duh. You hit it on the way down. You hit it. And then I dropped that little nugget of wisdom. Didn't I tell you not to climb on the table? He didn't care because his head hit hurt here and here, okay? That doesn't help. But when you tell somebody that and you shouldn't, you know what that is? It's because we didn't follow the advice in the first place. See, sometimes we don't want to go to God. Oh, here's a toughie. You ready? Because we kind of know what he's probably going to say. We don't want to do it. Boy, that's not going to be helpful. Now, God's never going to say, told you so. Okay? Hopefully, we, if we've done that, I've done it, we come to him and say, you know, God, that, you know, that was not a really good idea. I, I did. And get back on track. On. But he wants to help us. <clears throat> Number four, we forget that he helps. He does help. In verse 48, it says, About the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking on the water. Now, he was going to act like he was going by, but the fact of the matter is the whole reason he was out there in the first place is because he knew, he knew they needed help. Let's not forget that God can help in our situation. Yeah. By the way, if God, has ever, if God has ever helped you in the past, that's a good place to start. Yeah. You know, they should have been on the boat thinking, man, we are going down. But he told us to go to the other side, so obviously he meant for us to get to the other side. Yeah. I believe in one of the Gospels where he told them to go to the other side, he goes, I'll meet you on the other side. So it's like, hey, it didn't say it's going to be easy. But they should have thought, well, wait a minute. How can he help us in the storm? Well, he fed 5,000, right? They saw him heal people of diseases. I mean, he, he, he raised people from the dead. I mean, they should have looked at it and said, man, he's done a lot of stuff already. I'm pretty sure he can handle this. And he wants to handle this. 
Then next, we're almost done. Because we forget what he really wants in our life. I like when he shows up on this ship. Verse 50. And when they saw him, after thinking it was a ghost, they were troubled. And so what does he do? He calms them. And immediately talked with them and said two very, very good things. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Do you see the two great things that he wanted them to remember that we forget in times of trouble? He said, first, be of good cheer. You know what he says? I want you to have joy. Because that's all throughout the Bible. And what happens is we have troubles and we lose our joy. Understand this. Our joy is not connected to to situations and problems. Our joy is to be connected to our relationship with God. And so if our joy is connected to our relationship with God, nothing can take that away. But if our joy is only connected to what's going on in our life, it comes and goes. Right? Joy is like, you know what? I have my relationship with Christ and nothing is going to change that. And God wants us to have that. That's why he tells us in Philippians, the whole purpose of Philippians is to teach about joy. And Paul wrote that about joy while he was in prison, in a a dungeon, in a cell. But he doesn't just want us to have joy. He says, be not afraid. He wants us to have security. Boy, we do not like when there's no security, right? We want to be in charge. And when problem, I mean, that's what, you know, I mean, I'm a pastor, my thing, organization, you know, get everything, I want everything being taken care of, you know, no surprises, um, and and all that stuff, but it's like, you can't control everything. You're not in charge of life. And so, things start to come at us, and we're like, man, I'm not controlling this. I know, but I know the one who does control things. And by the way, he doesn't want you to be in control. He wants you to realize he's in control. And our security in life, everybody's looking for security. You know, I want to be rich and retire by the time I'm 44. Why? So you can sit around and eat bonbons and watch soap operas? I mean, come on. You'd be bored stiff. I know, Pastor, but I'd like to take a shot at it. Okay. (laughs) Only if you let me go with you, okay? We want, but you know why we want that? So we're secure for the rest of our life. And the Bible tells us riches are fleeting. Things change, okay? I mean, come on, go to Taco Bell. They give you a loan application to pay. So we need to understand our security doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from the job. We, it comes from God. And our security should be tied into him, right? So we should know what he wants. He wants us to have joy. and He wants us to have security, both of which only come from him. And then lastly... <coughs> we forget what he's already done, and I alluded to him, to that. Verse 52 is not disconnected from this. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And because of that, look at that, their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened in that problem because they forgot the miracle working power of God. He wanted them to remember that. Could it be that he was looking for them to connect the dots between what he had already done to what he, in the future, could continue doing? There's a security in understanding God always can come through, right? 
It's not like, you know, there used to be a commercial on years ago on the radio, and, and it, was, it, was, it, was, I just, it was a reinvestment commercial. You know, and they'd have people come on, I invested this, and we made all this money, blah, blah, blah. And you know how they put the little disclaimer at the end? Right? You know, future gain, uh, uh, what is, it's past performance is not indicative of future results. You know what they're saying? It's a crapshoot, baby. You might make money, but you might lose it. We just showed you the five people that did. You didn't show us the 20,000 people that lost. Okay? So it's not very sure. Can I just tell you one thing that is sure? God. Can I just tell you one person that will ever let you down? God. I'm just telling you. But we need to understand that he is there. That's our problem. They disconnected what was going in their life from Jesus, who's watching them while he wasn't even with them. Don't disconnect from God. Don't allow anything you go through to, 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 to get you to start to take your focus off of him. Because then you do feel alone. I'm all alone. I got no help. How am I going to get through this? You, you don't need to get through this. Let him work with you to get through this. Let's not forget what he wants to do. If we can bow our head and close our eyes for a minute. Thank you for listening. We're a little fast this morning. <coughs> Just for a minute. I don't know what you're going through. I don't. You may not be going through anything right now, but can I just tell you something? Keep that relationship strong because you may, go through, you may be going through something later. So, Pastor, I'm going through something right now. Are you focused on the Lord and what he wants to do? Are you allowing him to speak to you? Are you allowing him to work in your situation? You know, Pastor, I got through a situation and, and I just didn't do very well at it. You know, sometimes, you know what happens when you fail a test sometimes? You have to take it over again. And you know, sometimes I believe God brings things into, or God allows things in our life and he wants us to learn something and we don't learn that and now he's got to allow something else because we didn't get it. It's not like the school system where you can fail and they'll just keep passing you. God wants you to get it. And he wants to be with you every step of the way but you got to let him you got to ask him you got to allow him <laughs> maybe you're here this morning and let me ask this this is something that's more important than even this we cannot have his presence in our life if we are not one of his children here's the question are you 100% for sure if you were to die today that you would go to heaven or do you have any doubt you couldn't give a scriptural reason why you're his child. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor, that's me. I am not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But you know, Pastor, I'd like to know that. Would you pray with me? With nobody looking around, if that's you, raise your hand real quick, and I will. Anybody at all. Can we stand together, please, for a moment? Have you allowed problems to turn your focus away from Christ? Are you not seeing him in the problems? And by the way, let me say this. Have you started to ne neglect seeing him because you're not going through problems? Sometimes that's where it starts. 
Things are going so well, we focus on the blessing and not the blesser. And then the problem comes, we've already started the process. Maybe you need to come and reconnect this morning. Piano's gonna play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come? All of us need him in our life. And I get it, the mantra of our country, man up, you can do it. And I understand that. That's not spiritual. Man up and come to Christ.